0: Martin Hudaks is a story of persistence and of a true commitment to excellence that I have seen only in a handful of others in my trips around the sun. His exploits are legend, and while many of the guests that come on this show are accomplished, Martin's list of accolades could fill a podcast of its own. In 2017, he won the World Coffee and Good Spirits Championship. He's been honored as a Forbes 30 Under 30 member and recognized in 2021 with a spot in Drinks International's most influential figures. He's the author of Spiritual Coffee, a Mr. Black Brand ambassador, and the co-owner of Sydney's finest establishments, Dean and Nancy on 22, maybe Sammy, and Sammy Jr., all of which you might find me at on any given Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, or Saturday. Happy listening cheers cheers happy friday. So, happy friday happy friday let's have espresso martini to start enjoying this mr black espresso martini
1: here we are real caffeine
0: so who is martin hudak
1: Oof. there are so many titles and so many different job descriptions i could roll out but
0: personally professionally wherever you want to begin
1: i mean i'm just uh One of those rare breeds who is always positive and happy Mm. about everything and try Mm. to spread the good vibes and and don't be always negative and sad. Right. Just want to, you know, create this positivity and spread that aura and energy across the different platforms in my bars, in the streets, around the world, Mm. social media. And I just want to share everything what I gain or gaining every day. I want to share with everyone.
0: Right. In a world that's black and white, you try to add a little bit of color. Yeah. Try to spread joy. 100%. 100%. Yeah. It's a good. It's a good way of looking at things. I feel like part of the reason I enjoy being in Australia so much rather than America is that my friend really hit the hammer on the head here. I was talking to him about like the American mentality and he's saying America is a culture of hustle, hustle, hustle. There's not so much of a culture of appreciation. Yeah. Whereas here in Sydney, one of the things I like is people, they approach life a little bit slower. You know, they don't, they don't run when walking is fine. You 100%. Know? They walk w- rather than just take the bus, get from point A to yeah. point B. Yeah,
1: yeah. I, I really witnessed that when I moved here four years ago. I was in London, pretty much similar culture, let's say like in America, rush, run, hustle, business, you know, everyone's just, you know, running. Yeah. I was so stressful. So when I moved here, I was like, whoa, I can still do the same things, achieve the same thing. But I can walk, yeah. be on the beach, uh, you know, enjoy the sunshine, have a longer breaks, and be kind of more human.
0: Yeah, exactly. Than like a That's robot. That's a good way of putting it. You know what yeah. I mean? There's so many. There's a robotic mentality. Yeah, like just you know, just rushing through life. So
1: know? unhealthy, right?
0: It's not. It's not healthy. Um, I. I don't know, but I, I mean, to your point about like spreading a little bit of joy, a little bit of good cheer, I think that's that, that's a beautiful thing and that's not to be understated. Um, which, you know, brings me into my next question. You've written this book, Virtual yeah. Coffee, it seems, um, that you know a thing or two about about uh, caffeinated beverages, more so than me, anyway. Um, I would have offered to make you a coffee before this interview, but then I realized I'm just gonna embarrass myself. <laughs> He's probably gonna spit it out, throw it on the ground. This isn't coffee, what yeah. is this? <laughs> Well, yeah, look, yeah, I'm
1: I'm not a judgmental, you know, if you offer it, I'll take it and I'll be nice and kind and I'll swallow it, but-
0: I'll swallow <laughs> it.
1: But, you know, like, it's just the act of kindness that you're willing to give me coffee and that you are so uh, confident to do it you know? right it's, it's it's a, it's
0: a get, but you know what i chose to give you the um the coffee socks that way there's, yeah. there's a few fewer ways to fuck that up than, exactly than, than brewing a cup but I, you know i want to talk to you about obviously what you're passionate about your your whole life i have lots of questions but among one of the first is simply again why do you love coffee? Um, and how did you fall in love with coffee?
1: Yeah, very simple. Uh, it's going back to my uh, teenage memories. You know, when you are underage, you cannot really drink cocktails.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, so the first thing you can drink is a coffee and you feel like adult. Oh, I'm having a caffeine. You know, I'm a big guy. Of course, it's a coffee. With, a <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a coffee with a lot of sugar and, 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 and milk and cream and vanilla and whatnot. So uh, I, I did that. I kind of fell in love with the taste of it first mm. job I got was, was in a coffee shop mm. not necessarily like a cocktail nightclub right. so I was
0: like yeah like a cafe
1: yeah it was a cafe but European cafe always serves some sort of booze, cocktails and things so I kind of fell in love with it and for me you know every day you wake up and there is a good reason to wake up because you can have a coffee you know i'm waking up to have a coffee <laughs> right. i'm not having a coffee to wake up
0: yeah it's you know i mean almost. it
1: is it is that's why spiritual you know spirit ritual and coffee it is kind ah, of okay you got it yeah
0: yeah, yeah it yeah. is
1: kind of like a holistic experience for some of us because being able to take a 10 minutes of your time in the morning yeah in between of your errands and rush and whatever and sit down and enjoy a cup of coffee at home made by yourself or your you know local ones mm. or going to your favorite coffee shop and sit down is that specific time of the day your your ritual where you are just by yourself coffee newspaper cigarette whatever maybe social media but you and that moment and that's what i love about coffee it really makes me realize how important is the present moment
0: yeah yeah, it's a good... I mean, one thing, you, you mentioned the word ritual. I think one thing I've always appreciated about coffee is the degree to which you can bring people together. You know, you sit down, you have a cup of coffee with your mother and your father in the morning when you're a teenager or when you're old enough to drink coffee. You meet someone. Oftentimes, if you don't want to meet someone for drinks, you could say, oh, let's have a coffee, coffee right? right? It It's sort of, it's an excuse to meet and it brings people together in a way that is, it's kind of beautiful. It, it's it a social act. Exactly. I love it. Exactly. It's, there is this ritualistic element to um you know having having a good old cup of Joe. Um, and now I mean moving on, we're sitting here drinking these Mr. Black Espresso Martini cocktails. People often think of coffee and cocktails as distinct entities like uppers and downers yeah. the barista and the barman yeah, yeah, um, as different things yeah. but there is an overlapping relationship this is delicious 100% I
1: so, mean uh, for many years there was always like two different worlds world of coffee world of cocktails and me for the last 10 years I tried to kind of you know be evangelist mm. of combining those two worlds together as, you okay. know if bartenders were with chefs so closely or with sommeliers I think baristas could work as well with bartenders and vice versa we can learn so much from each other and the other up, You know, they are so tied up to each other, you know, we both providing hospitality service. We provide the products, which are stimulants products, which makes us happy. And I don't see any problem to, you know, to do crossover and historically, you know, what I discovered through my book and research, because this is a historical book, when and how it happened that alcohol and coffee came together. Historically, you know, those social gatherings, let's say in 17th century, somewhere in France, were always combined with a bit of, you know, bit of spirit, a bit, right. of, bit of cognac, a bit of absinthe, while you drink your coffee. You know, the the both gives you something. So it's nothing new. It's just we kind of forgot about it. And we kind of like separate them too much, like morning and night. And my role as a global brand ambassador and face
0: for Mr. Black and myself and our venues is to show them that they can work together. But there are people who say that you shouldn't drink both at the same time because coffee brings you up and then alcohol makes you tired
1: yeah there are people who should say you shouldn't you know ride a bicycle because you can die on the
0: street you know that's a good that's that's yeah honestly i like the taste of uh, an irish coffee or of espresso, an espresso martini, martini yeah so i'll keep fucking drinking it <laughs> yeah
1: exactly be mindful of course there is a caffeine in most of the real coffee cocktails there's a caffeine be mindful it's a personal thing not everyone's gonna drink champagne for example i need caviar right. some people just want to have a beer yeah. so it is personal preference uh, i'm not gonna force anyone is Is it is as well a culture thing depending where you are demographically you know where you're coming from
0: yeah
1: um so i'm never forcing people i'm always mindful you know you want one coffee cocktail have it you know i understand it's seven o'clock you might go sleep here in australia it's different people go
0: nuts yeah <laughs> crazy They drink espresso martinis all night long <laughs> they do they do there's a big there's a big drinking culture in australia yeah um but it's uh, it's a sort of thing that's it's delicacy. It's it's an art to, to combine the two, and you obviously are among among the pioneers at at bringing these two disparate Thank you. worlds together. Um, so you know in terms of like bringing different things together i was reading i was reading an interview with you about how you ended up at the american bar at the savoy i think it was with uh magazine or uh, one of those um and the the thing that uh, by the way just for the audience the american bar at the savoy is one of the nicest cocktail bars in the world just for context everybody uh martin maybe won't admit it but it is um so like i mean I really loved this story that you were wearing borrowed clothes, like a tie from your dad, a jacket yeah. from your from, you wow, know, wow. friend, whatever. Um, and that you were, you know, you were sleeping on a friend's couch and then you you were sending emails to all these, like you were sending emails to all these bartenders and you got a call and then the next day you, you were in um, London. You were in London. You just flew yeah. across, you know, a bunch of different countries. Like you dropped everything. You're like, yeah, I'm going to go there not even for a job, but just for the interview. Like, I'm going to drop everything. I'm going to leave. It doesn't matter. I'm going to go, you know, borrow a tie, borrow a jacket, borrow pants, whatever you need in order to look sort of presentable, sleep on a friend's couch. And the, the thing that I've just, the thing that stuck out to me was just that this opportunity arose. You grabbed your bags and you left. You went with no hesitation. So there's this is a sense I get that, you know, it's okay to have it not, like to not have it all figured out, but you have to try when an opportunity comes, you have to grab, grab it, it or it's, or it's going to be gone. So, hundred yeah. uh, percent. Tell us the story from your perspective. I mean,
1: people always or oh, from beginnings. They were like, ah, oh, you're just lucky, right? Mm. It's all about luck. I don't believe in luck. Mm. I believe in preparation. Mm. You always have to be ready. You always have to be prepared. You never know when your chance comes, right. when it comes, you go for it, right? You, I'm a go getter i'm a go-getter you tell me tomorrow there is something important happening in new york and this is my lifetime moment to make a mark you find a way to get there i go and i'll do it i'm a go-getter because i don't believe in luck Mm. there is no luck or you do it or you go for it and you're ready to risk lose you know sacrifice and you go and that's what happened in 2014 i was one of the best bartenders in my country in Mm. slovakia where i'm coming from You know, I achieved everything, and I started feeling a bit comfortable with myself. And I was like, okay, yeah, it's easy, you know? But I want to move on. I want to go to Mecca of the Cocktails, London, and the oldest surviving hotel bar in the world, American bar, the Savoy, you Mm. know, 130 years old establishment. I said, if I want to get a job, I need to get a job at the best place, the oldest place, the most significant one. So when the phone call came, do you want to come for an interview? I said, 100%.
0: Yeah.
1: And I flew there for the first time in my life to London. I got lost, I was late two hours clean shave and bleeding and I borrow all the clothes because I have no fancy clothes back then and uh yeah and the rest is history I've been there for four years and we became the world's best bar in 2017 best bar team I won a couple of personal awards and cheers to that
0: (laughs) I think it's it's remarkable that um you know, I mean that you were able to accomplish all of this, but I, I certainly feel the same way in in my own life and with the small small degree of professional success that I've uh, been able to enjoy. It it's like it's not obviously, you know, uh, circumstances uh, can favor us in some ways, but at the end of the day, whatever you're doing in life, it's like you need to incur some risk. I think that's really what what it's about. A lot of the people I uh, grew up with a lot of the people i went to university with they they didn't want to accept risk it's always like go for the safe option and then they complain about why they don't like the way their lives are yeah.
1: are going the kids these days they are too comfortable <laughs> and i'm a kid as well yeah you know i'm a 31 we are too comfortable yeah with what we have where we are and we don't want to get out of the comfort zone and take a risk because we don't right. want to lose what we have yeah but people not realizing that what awaits you out there might be better what you have right now in this moment. And most of my ex-classmates and colleagues, they are stuck in the past, you know, maybe they're in jail or divorced with the kids and you know loans and stuff like that, mortgages yeah. because they weren't able to take a risk. they were too comfortable living with the parents, not paying your rent. There's always a reason.
0: There's always a reason not to get on that flight. Yeah. There's always a reason not to go. Your relationship, your dog, your job, yeah. your mortgage, whatever. At some point, you have to just leave with a backpack and, you know, borrow whatever fucking clothes you need. Borrow, you know, show up at the yeah. interview. Half the battle is just showing up. Showing up is important. It's like, and the other thing is that there's a there's a Kurt Vonnegut quote. I think you would like of all the words of mice and men, the saddest are, it might've been right. People sit there agonizing over what might have been, what could have yeah. been if only they'd done something differently. If only they had traveled somewhere else, if only they had left a relationship earlier or, or, pursued a relationship with someone else. But you know, the, the, um, I think it was Paul Ardun said, and I wrote about this in my book. Um, it's better to regret what you've done. Than what you haven't, haven't done. done. Right. 100%. And it's like. You need to. If you want your life to change. You need to go and try. And nine times out of ten. Maybe you'll fail. But at least. When when the window opens. Like fucking climb through it. You yeah. know what I mean?
1: Like in 2018. You know. When uh, Savoy. And all of that fame happened. And I was on top of the Olymp. I knew I have to start again. From beginning. And take another risk in my life. Yeah. And that was the point. When I said. Fuck it. I'm going to Australia. Mm. I don't know where it is. I don't know anyone. No one knows who I am. But I want to go and start gonna again. Hang up the
0: white white jacket, jacket, and yeah. show up in a hoodie. Yeah, again. Start and from here we scratch. are, start from the
1: scratch because I took the risk. Yeah, and I had so many opportunities around yeah. the world. Right. To take any prestigious job after the Savoy because you know you are the hot hot spot. You yeah. hot stuff. You know they want hot you. Hot commodity. Yeah, right. Coming off the Savoy, and I said to everyone, no. Fuck you. I don't want that. I want to start from zero. Why? Why? Why would I you need come a con- here to I the need constant, island in the middle of the I, Pacific? I, I need a constant challenge. I need to start from the beginning. And I want to bring something uh, different. And I want to create an environment which can change and influence the, the society and community. Four years ago, none of the bartenders wear jackets and ties before in Australia. Yeah. None of the bartenders would say, good evening, sir and madam.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Right? So we brought a little bit, something different, something European. And we kind of create a buzz. Mm. And they hate us and love us at the same time, but we are different. And that's what I wanted to create here. I want to create a five-star environment. with kind of relaxed ambience, mm. a bit of fun and
0: entertainment. But still, you feel like you are in New York, London. I feel like I'm in New York when I'm at Dean and Nancy. I'm not in Sydney. I mean, it's part of the reason it's a refuge. I, w- I was there last night. I was at I was at maybe Sammy and <laughs> Dean and Nancy and certain. I, I both maybe Sammy reminds me of of Paul's in New York. Paul's Casablanca is a little club yeah. in New York, and then Dean and Nancy just reminds me of some of the great hotel bars of the world. And it, it, it is it is a hotel bar. I go there to be in New York, and while I'm there, you know. I, i i'm not in sydney anymore it's 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 a, it's a strange feeling that you can go to a place and you can be transported it's it's very fucking far from a pub it's not about that's, know? that's
1: that's that's the beauty of the bars escape from reality we want to take on the journey and forget about everything what happening down there on the street you know escape
0: mm. you know I, I don't know if it's so much of an escape i like my life because <laughs> you're in australia <laughs> <laughs> but but it, it's more like the transformative power of just being in a place and everything the sight the smell the sound the fucking crushing of of you know uh, an orange or w- whatever anyone is doing the cutting of a lime, you Hear yeah. everything um it's it's every attention to detail as you you know well know is a compliment to you every attention to detail at dean like no atten no detail is overlooked um god so. is in details <laughs> yeah it it's true i well you know what i like your lapel pin god it is in the details <laughs> um so i mean it's 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 just sort of interesting that um you you come to us Aust- like you you had it all right you had it all going for you in europe everyone wanted a piece of martin yeah and then you leave and you come to australia and there were you know, there were other people who did this as well um you know as far as i understand the maybe frank story was you had all these like very well trained experienced bar people leaving the biggest greatest cities in europe to come work at like uh, a pizza, a pizza <laughs> restaurant in randwick on the other side of the fucking world
1: yeah
0: how did the, why like how did that happen or how, how did you get mixed up with stefano and the whole maybe Older gang yeah i think it's
1: that energy we Mm. talk about the energies right now when i met stefano for the first time he walked to the savoy as a backpacker from australia terribly dressed Mm. as he only can dress yeah because he's like italo australian guy (laughs) and he walked there and i was there with the tie and white jacket and and he kind of expected me to act like a dick you know like be like to be a bit of a cunt yeah, yeah. you know like be like superstitious. Well, what are you doing yeah, here yeah, like yeah. but i was like welcome ciao you know yeah. I was me yeah i was me in a five-star environment and he fell in love with me and he said till today was the best hospitality I ever received
0: mm. we became friends uh i got opportunity to come. what to year with this was 2017
1: maybe? yeah 17 we became friends i got opportunity to come to australia with mr black that mm. year the little tour as a savoy guy with yeah. mr black yeah and i went to maybe frank and I had one of my best nights ever. I had the pizza, the cocktails. There was disco ball going on. They were singing <laughs> happy birthday to me. It wasn't my birthday. Yeah, it like... was so much fun. I was like, guys, what are you taking? Like, why are you so happy, all of you? And I was like, well, it's Australia, man. It's like, that's what we do. And I got back to this grumpy, moody, rainy London December. Super yeah. busy. Everyone upset. I was like, why am I doing this to myself? So I moved here and I got this relationship with Stefano and Vince and my business partners and our team. And I was like... If I want to be the best version of myself, well, I have to be surrounded by people like me. People are happy, energetic, and they love life. Yeah. And that's what happened.
0: It's, it's, I mean, it's, it's a remarkable story. And I want to, I want to just rewind a little bit to, to your time at the Savoy and then even before your time at the Savoy and talk a little bit about, I mean, we talked about before making the most of opportunities, um, but. I wanna talk about how persistence and humility have featured in your life. It's so important, you know? It's easy when you start to enjoy some success to be on top of the world and to become complacent, to say, I'm the best, and to just sit there and watch as all the other people zoom past you, you know? But, I mean, your story is like, for for this world coffee and spirits competition the first two times you applied to this you were disqualified (laughs) then you tried again and again and again and again again, again. four more times and then on your seventh time yep that's when you won and now you're champion of the world yeah it sort of reminds me um in some ways of like you know, Formula One racers who just keep at it and at it and at it their whole career. Charles Bukowski is one of my favorite writers and he, you know, he spent his whole life being unsuccessful as 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 a writer and he only started enjoying professional success when he was in his 50s, when most people start thinking about retiring. Retiring, yeah. You're obviously younger than in your 50s, it seems like. Um, <laughs> but I, I don't know. I see a couple of gray things my in my head. head. No, <laughs> um, yeah, me too. Um, but... Look, um, to win on your seventh try is is cool because it shows that you don't fucking give up. You keep going and going and going. And it's not for anybody else. It's for you. There's this quote from... The movie Rush. Um, it was a 2013 movie about James Hunt and Nikki Lauda about the 1976 yeah. Formula. It was One Matt quote. Damon playing there? Ah, uh, no, it was Chris Hemsworth. Okay. And um, oh, my favorite. I, I forget the the, uh, the name of the uh, the guy playing Niki Lauda. But the the quote, uh, the fictionalized quote that Nikki Lauda says about James is that, um, you know, James after 1976 ended up like retiring and. In, in, in not continue or he continued a little bit, but, and the point is the, the quote was, uh, James had proved what he needed to prove to himself and to everyone who doubted him. The idea is like, you're not doing this to impress other people. No. It's for the competition yeah. is with yourself. Yeah. So talk to me a little bit about, um, how pers- <laughs> the importance of persistence and humility, just in all aspects of life, but also how they featured in, yeah. in your life. Yeah. Um, I started in
1: 2010, I knew I'm good, but my ego was bigger than anything else and I burned myself. That's why I got disqualified so many times because I thought I'm the best. But being the best is about being the smart guy and humble guy mm. uh, and you need to read the rules. Yeah. You need to read the rules. You need to practice. You need to go deep. Uh, and the moment I started succeeding and I went to the world finals in France in 2013 in Nice and I became six in the world and I got this little trophy. I got this feeling I can do better and I envisioned myself holding the number one trophy and I knew that one day I'll achieve that. Don't know when, but I knew I got You pictured it. yeah? You can see it. Yeah. I really had this picture of myself and I knew I can do it. And year by year, I got second in Melbourne in 2014, then second again in Shanghai in 2016. I was failing, failing, failing. Mm. But there's a lovely quote that when people are saying, um, you know, I never fail. Either I learn or I win. And I was learning every year about myself, where I can go. In 2017, when I became world champion, I won with the highest scores ever in the history. For some people, this is the end. For me, it's the beginning. Because for me, the winning something is not to put a trophy on the shelf and be like, that's it. For me, it's the beginning of the journey where me with the title, I can go around the world and share my experience and my passion and and you said about you know the progress and and confidence all of that i believe and that's a quote that i created hopefully one day people gonna repeat it after myself but i think like i feel like confidence is the enemy of progress
0: that's a good point if you are too confident
1: you're not progressing always doubt yourself i'm doubting myself every day at my job as a mentor as a bar owner as a colleague i'm doubting myself as a partner i'm doubting myself as a human being and only then if you doubt yourself It keeps you on the on the on the feet, you know, on the tiptoes, being like your feet on the ground. You know what I mean? Like, okay, what's next? How can I be better? What can I do? You know, how can I improve myself?
0: It's a good. I mean, I think of this concept of reinvention. You know, you have to be willing to constantly reinvent. Not necessarily, excuse me, (laughs) I'm stuttering. Um, Not necessarily everything, right? But. You know, you come to Australia and you start over anew. You maybe try something out at the bar. You try a menu. It doesn't work. You start over anew. You, you know, change new. You try new cocktails. You try a new food menu, whatever. I remember the menu at at Dean and Nancy, the original menu. I remember having the hamburger on one of the first nights that it opened. (laughs) And, you know, we're so... It's so different now, um, the Stardust menu at, 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 maybe uh, and maybe Sammy. I know months and months and months probably went into creating that. The idea that you need to constantly be willing to learn and to change. I was talking to um, Andy Bell, and he's a professional poker player on this podcast a couple of weeks ago. And he was talking to me about the concept of life being an infinite game. Right. That in, in, you know, he's talking about poker, right? Sometimes like you're losing in poker, but it's okay because you're learning and like it, you know, you, maybe you lost that game, but you haven't like lost in the whole game of life. And so many guys, like towards the end of their, nu- towards the end of the night, they'll accelerate their aggression and they'll end up playing worse because they can't live with the idea of losing, losing. even just a little bit. Right. But if you step back for a second and you think of life as an infinite game, it's like you're not actually, maybe you lost that round, right? But you haven't lost, or maybe you lost that battle, but you haven't lost the war. Life is constantly progressing. And so you can always, when, you know, you said you have to like fail forward. You have to constantly, you know, be saying, okay, maybe this didn't work out, but I've learned something from it. it's 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 important, I think, in all aspects of life, uh, but especially in this trade, to be able and willing to reinvent, not to be complacent, to say I have all these awards or I'm the best or this bar is the best, nobody can ever touch us. Because the truth is, all it takes is some other kid yeah. who's really scrappy and hungry to say, you know, fuck you guys, like I'm gonna make it my life's business to can you know to get better. You you should never stay in like complacent and I want these people around me because yeah.
1: these people are going to push me to be better. Mm. I need a competition. I yeah. need someone to be better than me and be like, fuck you, Martin, mm. maybe group what you do. We can do better. Just do it. Cause that's what keeps me hungry and do more. Right. You know, I love it. Yeah. And every time I travel to different country, I'm coming back so humble being like, wow, there's so much we have to do. We can do, you know, like when you see the world, like it's just crazy.
0: But there are some people, something bad happens, they get fired or something doesn't work out and they just give up or they, they say like, I don't want to do this. Well, what do you say to those people?
1: We had many people pass in in a history in maybe group, they were giving up too quick because they had this picture or vision of them being on a spotlight and being another Martin Hudag or Stefano Catino. But it didn't happen like that. It took me 10 years to be where I am. These mm. kids want to be there in 10 weeks, right? 10 months. What we're missing these days is, patience there is not enough patience in our generation everyone wants to be manager everyone wants to have a new car and apple Watch and have a fancy clothes and everyone wants to go for holidays we don't have that we like there's no patience and i'm so upset and i'm trying to explain people wait for your opportunity it will come but have to work you have to work hard and prove yourself it won't come just like that but unfortunately that's the generation these days you know
0: people are in love with the product but not the process love it you're right they're they want all of the things that come along with succeeding but they're not willing to put in the work that success requires 100%. Um, I think I I certainly understand and sympathize with with what you're saying certainly that's the case in you know in the writing world I, I was talking to um my old english teacher from high school i still keep in touch with him I, I was in um i was in the states a few weeks ago and i went to visit him he's uh he's well into his 70s now we still trade jokes and i went over to his house and wow. drank scotch and smoked cigars wow <laughs> um i didn't smoke a cigar actually because i just had this crazy nasal surgery but we were sitting there drinking scotch and hanging out um and one of the one of the quotes he always used to say is uh, we asked, I think someone asked him in high school, what is it to be a writer? And he said, to be a writer is to paper your walls with rejection slips <laughs> to make, you know, to use, to make wallpaper out of all of the rejection slips that you get. Cause you know, things used to be sent by mail back in yeah. the day. Um, and that sounds a little bit discouraging to some people. Yeah. And when I was first starting out in this whole racket, um, of course there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of Uh, rejection. Um, When I was writing my first book, everyone said you should, you know, it was a memoir. I wrote a memoir when I was 21 and most of the people I talked to about it said, what the fuck do you have to say at 21 years old? Why is anyone going to read a memoir who's, you know, by a 21 year old? And my attitude, you know, for and then I, I was gonna write it just as fiction right fictionalize my life and you know mm. write about it like uh, as a as an invented account and add in embellishing details and then I was talking to my editor one day his name was Michael and I was like michael um i you know I think we're just gonna keep this as or you know, he asked me he said scott where are you getting all these crazy stories from getting you know kidnapped into jordanian desert by a group of angry bedouins to getting deported from england to watching your boss get shot like this is not believable like w- this you know i don't believe that this would happen to you to, to your protagonist to the main character and i was like but this did happen like most of this is true this is all heavily rooted in fact and he was like well, then you have to write this as a memoir, as a piece of creative nonfiction. And I said, Michael, you know, I'm 21 years no old. going to believe 21-year-olds don't write memoirs. Yeah, it's not right. that they won't believe it. They won't be interested. Like, I was like, Michael, 21-year-olds 21, 21 don't write memoirs. And he's like, exactly. That's the point. Like... No one else is doing this. You should do it. And I wrote the book and, and for reasons that continue to elude me, people liked it and it took off and won a bunch of awards and blah, blah, blah. But if I had listened at the beginning to all the people who said, this is, this is ridiculous. Why would you do this? Yeah. Um, then I never would have written the book. I never probably would have gotten this job at Quillette. Um, it's like you have to, at some point, go out on a limb, you know, and just like keep keep going, stay stay humble and be like, okay, probably, you know, it was you have to stay humble when you when you have the success, but along the way like you have to be persistent, you know? I love it. Yeah. Um one thing I want to talk to you about on I mean on on sort of a similar vein is that when people see these sleek high-end cocktail bars often attached to five-star hotels and they see waiters wearing double-breasted white jackets maybe with a bow tie and slick back hair and beard oil and everything you know <laughs> and, it, and, it, and you know it, it looks very glamorous um, like i love i love in at uh, the, the little rose lapels yeah. at dean and nancy um it, it all looks like great awesome and you're hanging out with like In a lot at the Savoy, rich and famous people, you get to hang out with a lot of really cool clientele. Um, But there's a lot of hard work that goes behind the scenes. You know, I was talking to Simone the other day, and like you go, you have to prep, you have to cut all the limes, you have to dry the fruits, you have to do all of this hard work. And you also have to sacrifice your weekends. Maybe Sammy and Dean and Nancy are open Wednesday to Saturday Saturday. or once, yeah, at night. And it's like, it's not necessarily all wham glam thank you ma'am like there's there's a lot of hard work and sacrifice that goes into this so what what do you wish people understood about this business
1: hospitality business or whatever you just described now what's happening it's like this very infamous picture of a swan on the lake Mm. you see the swan beautifully swimming cruising around but underneath
0: yeah exactly
1: paddling a lot for life and that's what we do. We You don't need necessarily as a guest to see our struggles and problems and, and, uh, and you know, the hard times of preparation and right. not having days yeah. off and etc. You want to see this beautiful, magnificent swan going around. Yeah. cruising, sleek hair and nice jacket, you know, everything. And uh, that's a beauty and a danger of hospitality. It is a very toxic environment sometimes, you know. Connected to you know some health issues as well. You know there are so many people who cannot keep up with that world. You know because it's it's a high demanding world. You always have to smile, always be on on top, always has to be amazing. So this job is really only for strong, strong people, mentally strong people.
0: Mm. It's I mean yeah, I like this metaphor of the swan <laughs> paddling. It doesn't you know something is going into making all of this smooth, smooth. experience right. Um, it's, it's, it's the behind the scenes work and it requires great sacrifice as, as, as you've alluded to. Um, I think we should all be grateful or at least respectful towards, uh, towards hospitality people, towards bar people. It's a thankless business. Um, people expect, people expect, you know, I, I think it's a, one thing that's different in, in the United States to Australia is that hospitality people in the united states are seen as like service workers they're like they're there to serve you yeah um and so sometimes people are like they, look, they look well they look down on, yeah. on people who work in hospitality they're not appreciative they're not respectful um and they should be i think there's less of a culture of that here in australia uh, but still wherever you are in the world just listeners all over the place um you should be nice to bartenders, TV your waiters. <laughs> you should exactly. You you absolutely should. Um, I want to talk to you, Martin, about burning out and recognizing like when you have burnt out. You spoke about in a past interview. Um, I think it was your time at, Savoy. at the Savoy. Yep. Like a lot of times, people will stay in jobs or relationships uh, or whatever. Um, long after the expiration date, there's no passion. There's nothing, and eventually, that lack of passion turns into a resentment. You start to, you know, hate it. You hate your boss, or you start to dislike your partner. Yeah. Um, and you you you've you've burnt out. You know whether whether it's the job or the relationship or whatever. So how do you recognize when you're burnt out and that? You know, maybe it's time to go. What 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 would you say? About yeah,
1: it is really a personal thing. Depends on a, on a specific type of the person, right? But in my case, 2017, we achieved everything what we could, at the Savoy, the best bar in the world, best bar team. I won finally, coffee in good spirit. Um, and you've been waiting all your life for that moment to be on the stage, the glory, the fame, the spotlights, and it came. Yeah. And after that, it was just emptiness. Yeah. I felt so empty. Yeah, I was like. <sighs> But what now i wasn't satisfied anymore and that this satisfaction in me turns into not being excited about my daily job and i start feeling i'm not enjoying serving others mm-hmm. and i was sometimes moody i'm happy and i was noticing i'm not myself anymore so i made a very very hard decision i said this is it i have to leave this place i have to leave london and start again because the last thing i want don't want to is to make my guests realize i'm not happy to serve them i'm not happy to be there for them i wanted to avoid that so to protect my guests and my team i decided to leave because i was worried that this burnout will be so visible yeah that i would just create lots of bad things
0: mm.
1: um, so i just i just left and start from the zero
0: when you're not yourself, I think is the, what stuck out to me through, through all of that is it's like the color has drained or, or things start to like, you know, be in black and white or in sepia or you're just like going through the motions. You're not excited to, yeah. To, yeah. to, to be, to be doing it anymore. Yeah. Um, I've, I've found that in certain, uh, various different aspects of my life is, is like, you need to be honest with yourself. Um, I had another podcast guest say that you need to develop an unflinchingly close relationship with the reality of your situation. And I think that that's accurate. Uh, you need to constantly check in with yourself. Or people try to rationalize, right? They'll convince themselves, oh, well, I am happy or I should be happy. Yeah. I have everything. But you need to be honest with yourself and be like, maybe this this relationship isn't working. Yeah. Maybe this job is, is I like it, but I don't love it. or Or... I, I want to want it. Yeah. But yeah, I don't. You know I what don't. I mean? Yeah. It's like I, I I really want to like it, but I don't. Yeah. And you have to be honest with yourself because at some point you can only you can only pretend for so long. It's true, man. You know? It's so true. And this is not to say that you shouldn't be persistent. I mean, not every day is is yeah. is gonna be sunshine and rainbows and yeah. fun. But in general, if you lack that sense of fulfillment that sense of purpose and you're asking yourself more than once, what am I doing here? Then maybe it's time to go.
1: So true. Love it.
0: (laughs) Um, Martin, what is, or I guess not what is, but how did you sort of come up with the, this, this vibe of maybe Sammy and Dean and Nancy seems to be rat pack chic you mm. know sammy davis jr mm-hmm. um like all of that yeah. type of thing like why is that what, what about the rat pack appeals to you well, for some
1: reason like me and stefano and vince my business partners we like the same thing without knowing each other but when we met <laughs> we were like oh hello fly me to the moon oh me too oh did you see this oh yeah i saw that oh have you been in you know vegas and this and that so we kind of align, and we realize that we are so alike We like the past so much, we want to bring it back. Mm. But we don't like the past nostalgically being like, oh, it was better than now. No, now it's way better than back then. Back then was segregation. Look at Sammy Davis Jr. You know I mean? All of that human rights problems. Of course we have them today, but we're living in a better world than 50, 60 years ago. Mm. Right? What we like was the entertainment aspect of it. When the Red Pack and people alike were doing a show business, they were doing both show and business because they understand importance of both worlds. Mm. They weren't necessarily just singing or dancing, they were creating entertaining aspect for the people to have fun. And that's what we want to bring back to the hospitality. Hospitality till nowadays I believe was only about providing a products, serving people. Right. We want to serve the experience, we want to entertain you. Yes, you pay that's for That's it.
0: it. You're paying for the experience.
1: Exactly. Yeah. You get your drink of course, but I want to give you something extra. We want to entertain you. This is a show business, not a hospitality business. It's show business. And we are a showman. We are here to make you laugh, have fun, cry, come back, be excited. And that's why we love 60s, 50s, Vegas, Red Pack and all of that. That's why we love the greatest artists of the time. Because they understand that you can master the instruments, you can learn the lyrics. But once you're on the stage, forget that bullshit and just play. Have fucking fun. Hmm. Have fun. We have to have more fun these days
0: yeah yeah you can't be too serious about everything no yeah in all aspects of life whether you're yeah. you know in- be
1: serious <laughs> about your job don't be serious about yourself do mm. you know what I mean I'm not a heart surgeon <laughs> I'm just a barman that's it
0: I get it, met you know I was watching um I, I was at maybe semi yesterday watching when just like you know moving things around like an artist um, I wonder if heart surgeons do that. You know, they do a <laughs> just around, cut something open. Oops, oops and then it just like, happened. Oh yeah, I'm going to do one more. Maybe, maybe they do, you know. I, I don't know. know. Hopefully not any yeah. heart surgeon who <laughs> operates on me, but maybe there are some who say, one, two, three, hit it, boys. Uh, and you go. have like a choir in the background and like, <laughs> things open, and pulling yeah. wires
1: around. Uh, everything what we do in our life is performance. It's, it is a performance, you know, we're performing sort of art routine. What do you mean by that? You know, I, f- I feel like my team, you know, like they know when 4.30 hits and we open the door, it's a performance. You're on the stage and people watching you and you have only one opportunity to prove to people why they choose your establishment. You have to show them why, you know, why it's so important to be in this specific bar. You know, we are on the stage and people not buying a tickets to get a seats, They're buying a cocktails to be in front of you. So I really believe that hospitality, it is a, it is a business of performing. We have to perform every day. Mm. And there's a certain spotlight, some bars more, some bars less. Uh, but you have to understand that people's watching they're watching always doesn't matter where they're sitting they're watching you and that kind of pressure just so amazing
0: i think the word performance in english has like a bit of a negative connotation Mm. in some context though it's like fake no you're not being you you can
1: fake it like Mm. if i see you faking you're going home and it happened a few times with my team i had to send them home because they were unhappy they were forced Mm. do you know what i mean go home take, yeah. a, take a breath or go to the back room and cry for a little bit have a beer <laughs> have a shot or give me a hug <laughs> you know performance can be negative because we got this idea from theater right like they are paid to perform yes, and yes. not be themselves yeah. but if you perform because you believe that what you do is to entertain others yeah in true form of being yourself that's the most beautiful performance you can give to people right. Be yourself
0: yeah Yeah, no, it's good. It's good advice. Um, I mean, and then in terms of like actually being there performing, putting on a show, one of the things I like about you guys and and you in particular is that you get your hands dirty, you go behind the bar. You're not like, you know, the CEO on the top floor who has no connection to the work. Like there's no, you're not like, you know the factory manager or whatever, yeah like talking down to the workers. no it never. you're one, one of them yeah you're, you're yeah. on the floor you don't take yourself too seriously and you lead by example how do people learn they learn by you know watching someone who knows how to do it do it be grounded never forget your roots where you're coming from and uh,
1: funny enough yesterday i had an interview for a new bartender at maybe frank italian mm. guy i had an interview with him i was like look i just saw you an hour ago you were taking a uh, rubbish outside of the building was it you i was like yeah but why and i was like what do you mean why it's my job yeah like i have to show people how things are done because it's everything is equally important doesn't matter what you do if you take rubbish out or you wash the glasses or you make coffee or cocktails and and then he was like so you work in london i was like yeah i work at the savoy oh my god you work at the savoy and i was like yeah like it doesn't matter like i am who i am today and i'm grateful for that what i did but there is no position which is less or more everything is equally important and i go i want to have my hands dirty i want to do yeah. this job because i care you know i have no yeah limitations i'm just i want to do everything because i need to show them that doesn't matter what you do just do it because you have a joy of doing it And yeah, I'm I'm not one of those CEOs, the owners. There are so many times I'm working on the floor, on the door and people like, oh, we never saw you here before, who you are? I was like, oh, I'm just a doorman. Hmm. And then they find out I'm the owner. I'm like, oh my God, why didn't tell us? Like, why would I? What would it change? Not Change nothing. My attitude is always the same, 100% in the moment, giving you the best of the best.
0: Mm. Yeah, I know it's important because there is so many managers in business, for example, who are disconnected from their employees and that's when you run into issues um it's like you when you become sort of out of touch with yeah. with what's going on and politicians are like this all the time like they're not of the people you know they have no idea what's going on at the ground level they sort of occupy a space that is totally separate from the actual experience of of everyday people's lives. And so, I mean, as far as hospitality goes at the bar, it's like to another degree, so of course, you have to get your hands dirty. How are you going to teach, you know, when, for example, to be the best, when is a bartender at, um, and maybe Sammy, how are you going to teach him to be the best bartender? If you don't show him, like he needs to watch you doing it. Like anyone, you know, if you want to be the best, you need to learn from the best. And in order to learn from the best, you need to like be there with the best watching. Of course. Um,
1: learn by, so. uh, yeah, lead by example mm-hmm. and hundred uh, percent. And I'm learning every day from others. Okay. I'm, I learn respectively from all of my team members.
0: Hmm. Martin, we don't have to get into this if, if you don't want, but I'm just curious. Uh, do you ever go home? Do you ever go back to press off? And what, 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 what <laughs> wow. is it like?
1: Wow, you are so prepared with the questions. You even know my city. <laughs> I love it.
0: Uh, I what, do. I mean, you travel all over yeah. the world now. What's it like going on? I just went home for the first time. It was a very strange Experience for me, yeah.
1: Um, home is a place where I feel vulnerable, where I feel where I can really like cry, mm. being taken care of. Mm. I've been taking care of other people in my life. When I go home, it's really you know mom's hands and kitchen and everything. You know, yeah. I went home for the first time in February after three years. so my family, my daughter. Mm. Uh, it was interesting. Uh, you know, parents getting older, kids getting older just everything going so fast you know yeah. um i'm grateful for every moment i have with them actually i'm gonna see them in a week time i'm flying them to rome oh, nice. so we're gonna see each other in italy it is very emotional hmm. um i just want to give them back as much as they gave me and i feel so grateful for the childhood i had yeah and i want to make them proud of who i am and what i do in life right i'm not just a guy who serves a beer in a pub because that was kind of idea 20 years ago about my job yeah uh, I really want them to realize that what I achieved is because of them. Mm. Because they believed in me. And such an amazing, amazing mm. rewarding feeling to see my parents being proud of me. Seeing me in newspapers, in the podcast. And even if they don't speak English, but they're like, oh yeah, he was in the radio. <laughs> yeah. um, it is emotional. I don't really talk about private life a lot. Mm. I don't talk about my emotions a lot, to be honest. Sure. Uh, I am a vulnerable guy. And yeah. I have my down moments. Uh, but... Uh, i had an amazing childhood i'm very grateful for my family and i wish everyone would have uh people like me around myself yeah it's amazing i love That's them
0: good. yeah um shifting gears uh i had a couple weeks ago on the podcast uh an art forgery expert um and he, well, that episode hasn't come out yet actually, but um, he's like a art forgery, art crimes expert. And we were talking about, you know, painting forgery, sculpture forgery, olive oil forgery, wine forgery. And then it got me thinking about coffee forgery. Is that a thing? Have you ever heard of this? Of people like taking shitty beans and saying that they're expensive beans or is this, I don't know. If you don't know about this, you don't have to No, nah, nah, I never heard
1: about it with coffee, to be honest. Like it's yeah. pretty common with the alcohol yeah booze but coffee
0: not, not, not yet not yet yeah um well, maybe maybe uh, i have a, a I, business plan now
1: <laughs> well you wouldn't be the first one there is one company called star sucks i'm sorry no I yeah. no there, there are big companies who are claiming to be you know fair trade and star alliance and all of that eco whatever bio um but most of the time those green washings are just <laughs> you know bought by money not by real facts yeah so that's the only one way i'll be careful about coffee yeah if it's too much of blah 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 on the labels and it's just too much this and that maybe reality is somewhat very different
0: right right um what's your favorite cocktail woof What's your favorite
1: girlfriend, <laughs> perfume, car, you know, it's always changed. It's kind of different. It depends on the feeling and mood. Mm. Uh, lately, I'm drinking lots of whiskey cocktails. Mm. Manhattan, Salt Fashion, Wee Carre, Boulevardiers, Bobby Burns. What's a Bobby Burns? Bobby Burns. It's like a think about Manhattan,
0: yeah. but a
1: bit of like a herbal liqueur inside. So it's been a bit yeah. sweeter side and herbicious. Good for okay. the winter here. Right. Uh, inspired by, you know one of the legends in scotland so i like classic drinks i'm a classic guy you know you if you i go around the world you find me like those you know chesterfields yeah cigar and glass of scotch and I'll, i'm a classic guy All i right. don't go to nightclubs me neither <laughs> sometimes i go to crazy karaoke in korea or japan <laughs> for fun with locals but i, I like classic things mm-hmm. i believe in the yeah classic cocktails and because it worked for 100 years, 200 years for a reason.
0: Yeah, I pr- I drink pretty much exclusively old fashions. Uh, I did try a couple of the um, was the the Prince and the what's on the main Maybe-
1: Prince and the Shaw Girl, yeah, but it's creamy one. That's that was well. A cre-
0: well, I wanted to try something totally good because normally I only at Dean and then I will only drink an old fashioned. Um, but I was like, you know what? I okay, like man- so
1: when you come next time, I'm gonna give you uh, my old fashioned. Okay. okay, I'm gonna make I'm it gonna it for gonna try
0: you try one of the famous uh, Martin Beck <laughs> <laughs> old Fashioned. Um, is there a cocktail that you have invented that you're especially proud of?
1: Yeah, hundred percent. It's in my book actually, and it's pretty much everywhere I travel. There are a few bars around the world serving this cocktail. Spiritual. There it is. Commercial <laughs> break. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 2015, oh, wow. I created this cocktail at the Savoy. Uh, it was a twist on espresso martini. Mm. I didn't want to use vodka because it was boring with no flavor, so I used rum. Yeah, something tropical, something sexy. Uh, White rum. I use dark rum. Really? More aged, dark, spicier. And then instead of normal sugar, you put in espresso martini. I use almond syrup. So you get almonds. Espresso, Mr. Black, of course. And then I was like, I'm missing I'm missing something. So I add fresh pineapple juice. What? But then you think about coffee and pineapple and everyone's like, what? This can going really work. But when you think historically, a pineapple, almonds, and rum, that's a mm-hmm. classic recipe and DNA for tiki cocktails. Yeah so dumb beach convert trader Week, honolulu chicago think about these tropical cocktails like zombie pina colada Mai thai yeah. i was like what i've just done instead of espresso martini i create espresso martiki so like a tiki riff on espresso martini is that what it's called yeah espresso martiki tropical sexy uh garnish
0: see. With, yeah yeah no pull it up garnish on. with uh garnish with uh, fresh flowers this is it let me see
1: yeah so it's a lighter tropical version super super easy to drink fresh What's good looking garnish, edible well? flowers because like when you go to hawaii for a holiday they give you flowers you have flowers on your drinks banana dolphins umbrellas all of that who serves this in the world like there are a few places around the world you can find it. it's a voice though or no yeah, if you ask it, they give it to you.
0: And uh, what about here? Instead?
1: Yeah, it's on the menu. Really? Yeah. Since day one. Okay. For the last four years. Just be like, I want to. Just wanna...
0: add Dean and Nancy and. Yeah, Mick you can ask. Or, or if right, they don't right.
1: know, they're going to get fired.
0: Let's press some more um, Yeah. Can I get it at Sammy Jr.? Nah,
1: no, we don't have pineapple juice. No. Sorry. Uh, okay. I'm going to ask Georgia to buy some for you.
0: <laughs> Please, just for me. <laughs> just for me. Just, just keep it in the fridge, just for Scott. Um, yeah. So. Does the, I mean, I think the answer is yes. Here, you've noted in this book, and from what I like have gathered, the type of glass that the cocktail is supposed to be served in. It's important. Like you, if someone served me an old fashioned in a highball, I wouldn't drink it because I like. I don't know. I like holding my tumbler. Yeah, it right? makes sense. But. How important is the actual glass? Very much. In terms much. of your flavor? Very much. The whole? Is, it, is it just aesthetic? No, no. Are no. an actual functional element? It's
1: what you said. It's a flavor. If you drink old-fashioned, strong, boozy drink from very thin, elegant glass, the drink's going to appear as very light and sweet. When you're drinking from the tumbler, rock-heavy tumbler, drink is strong, heavy, not too sweet. It's a perception of your feelings. Yeah. It's crazy. We did test many times. Same drink, different glassware glass where you cannot see the liquid. You couldn't tell what it is, the blue glass or black glass. It's the perception, our eyes and our, our senses really, really change mm-hmm. everything. It's so amazing to see that.
0: That's interesting. That's Yes, just crazy. Well, so why is it that sometimes when I order whiskey just straight you know Suntory or McAllen or whatever um, even at Dina and Netsi they, they will pour it in um, like it's a, not a wine glass it's like a snifter it tasting looks, glass Yeah, what is sherry
1: that. glass because when you have a neat spirit you want to evaluate the senses of it same as a wine you want to appreciate the spirit on its own as a wine so you want to use you want to swirl it around give a little sniff give a little taste this experience is different it's not a cocktail it's a spirit on its own mm. once you mix it then you put it in a cocktail glass with the ice
0: right right Martin, what is the um hand cream cocktail at Dean and Nancy? <laughs> I have so many hand creams because uh, oftentimes um, So you're taking them all the time. I I right? said Alessandro just get i mean, Simone, I'll have a hand cream I don't know yeah, I, mean, yeah. I have I have many. But um what what's this cocktail? So, what's the idea behind it? Yeah. It's very strange. Explain it to people because, you know,
1: like like normally when you go to cocktail bars They garnish the cocktail with orange peel, lemon peel, whatever, like a zest. They create this aromatic experience on top of your glass. They put the citrus inside, but usually disappears quickly. We are thinking how we can enhance the experience of the smell and prolong the experience even after you leave. So your hands are vessels, are tools for carrying those smells with you. Mm. So we made our homemade hand cream scented with a coffee and vanilla to complement the coffee vanilla cocktail. You put it on your hands. You smell it every time you take a sip. You smell your hands as well. Eighty percent of any experience, what you smell, not what you taste. Mm-hmm. That's why wearing beautiful perfumes on the way home, a little bit tipsy in the taxi, you're like, ah, oh, that's a cocktail from Dina Nancy. Yeah. yeah, we want the experience come with you back home.
0: Right, but I mean, there's a functional element to it too, as 100%. well. When you drink, what is the functional element to this hand cream? Is like, how did you? selected i mean there's a lot of hand creams you created it we created it. it's
1: our homemade hand cream we we were doing like probably 15 different trials to make a hand <laughs> cream is not that easy yeah hopefully one day someone gonna hire us and, <laughs> some uh, pharma
0: how does it work is it just explain you know so, i think this is interesting like i mean you put cream on you and then you and then yeah i think there's an aromatic
1: so we give you a cocktail with hand cream we tell you to open a hand cream put it on your hands first um you know moisturize your hands yeah smell them and they're like oh that's coffee and vanilla and they take a drink they taste the sip, and it's the same sensation you have in your nose you have on your taste palate you're like ah oh, it's the same thing so it's kind of like breaking the eyes and boundaries with the guests and playing with them right and giving them experience being part of the experience that's very important mm. and hand cream everyone loves hand lotions <laughs> <Everyone tests that laughs>
0: hand lotion, i know i have i have many of them um You know, I think most people have an idea, probably not a good one, but most people have an idea of how to make like an espresso martini or an Irish coffee at home. You know, they want to have like pre drinks or whatever before they go out. Like, it's not that hard to Google a recipe to make one. But, um, you know, I was wondering if you have any tips or tricks for if you're going to do this yourself, if you're not going to go to a cocktail bar and you're just going to have some with friends, is there like something small that you could do to give your espresso martini, for example, an extra little kick, spruce it up a little bit? I know like a magician never reveals his secrets, but do you have any little like- Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm here to share. Look, I'm here to share.
1: (laughs) First of all, it's called espresso martini for a reason. Espresso. Your coffee has to be good. If you're espresso marketing or Irish coffee using, or you're having a shitty coffee, there's going to be shitty result. An instant coffee. (laughs) Yeah, right, for example. So, yes, vodka is important, whiskey is important, whatever, but focus on the coffee element as well. Mm. Use good coffee, know where it's coming from, know when it was roasted, you know, grind it freshly, brew it freshly, or just get it from the local coffee shop, but make sure you use as fresh coffee as possible. Very, very important. Make sure you have a good quality ice. Not the cheap one from Kohl's or Woolies, <laughs> but like proper ice. Make sure you chill your glasses or like put them in the freezer for a little bit. Okay. Use the proper bar tools and technique. Those little steps one by one makes a massive difference. But start with the coffee. Whenever you do coffee cocktail, it's all about the coffee. It's not about your vodka and crystal glasses.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: All right. More and more advice. Come to see me in Semi Junior, yeah. Semi maybe Semi Dean and Nancy.
0: Martin Nudak, thanks so much. For Thank you very much.
1: Thanks, God. Thanks a lot.